Hi, welcome back to what do we call this? In in out of the closet to from, from the closet, yeah. One of them. <laughs> we'll edit it. It's fine. <laughs> and we have Mac here today. Hi everybody. Yourself. Hi, I'm Macaulay Wilk or Mac for short. And uh do I say my pronouns? Is yeah, that part pronouns. of it? My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I, I am a non-binary person, so I don't like to be associated with either gender of the established ones that there are, <laughs> which is silly because there's so many. Yeah. And non-binary is such like a, it's a funny thing to say because like, I feel like there's, you know, gender is a spectrum and uh, there are all kinds of identities within that spectrum. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure which one of those I like specifically identify with. I know agender is one of them, and I feel like I'm just somewhere in between. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last time with Kat, we were talking about like the meaning of labels and like, mm. how people use them. Yeah. Are they necessary? So. Yeah, I think for a lot of things, they're not. I think the idea of labeling uh, i mean I, I think they've done a lot of harm in like you know for trans people specifically you know being told you're this one thing for your entire life until you you know reach a certain time in your life at an age where you uh, can access information by yourself and we live in the age of the internet where information if you know how to find it is available to you i don't feel like i was particularly like hurt by being a you know, under the impression that I am, a, I was a girl for a very long time. But, you know, finding these different definitions definitely opened up my mind in a kind of dark time in my life. You know, being a teenager is hard anyway. And um, I was sort of uh, just out of high school when the phrase non-binary sort of first came across my radar. And it sort of like blew my mind. It was sort of like, uh, the cave, you know, the allegory of the cave. It's like a really old thing, like coming, yeah. like you think you're living in darkness your whole life and then you see the sun for the first time. That's kind of what it felt like. It was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is a thing. <laughs> and this feels very representative of how I feel about myself. And so that took a little bit of time to sort of sink in. And um, yeah, so labels. I feel like the, so finding that label for me was like, a great thing and really like helped me find myself coming into my adulthood. Um, so in that way, I think they can be extremely helpful. But at the same time, the label that I found was sort of a dismantling of these labels that I was used to, right? Mm-hmm. Like being told that being a girl means A, B, C, D, E, F, G, which is also kind of untrue. Like I've also learned a lot about like you know, how, how femininity is projected onto women and that being a woman can mean so many different things. I think, you know, one of the struggles that I, I still sort of come to face with every day is that most people don't know about non-binary identities and therefore people will mistake me for a woman in my everyday life. And I used to get hurt by that, but um, I sort of played a mind, did a mind experiment where I thought, okay, well, if somebody looked like me and, uh, you know, was exactly like me in every conceivable way, except for they identified as a woman instead of as non-binary, that would be fine and that person would be valid. So if that's what other people see when they see me, I don't have to be hurt by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is helpful. <laughs> yeah, that is really helpful. Um, 
So how do you feel about like the public view on the LGBT plus community? I think, uh, oh, sorry, go on. Uh, yeah, I think it's, um, man, I think it depends who you ask, right? I think there are different publics. I think in general, the most people are coming to really embrace the LGBTQ community, especially in you know more educated circles. And um, I think that's really heartening. Um, I see a lot of, oh man, I don't want to get too controversial here, but I... Go ahead. <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of like what I see is the LGBTQ community being marketed and uh, being packaged to be sort of more presentable to people who might otherwise um, be opposed to, you know, rights for human beings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have mixed feelings about that because uh, it's something I think about a lot. <laughs> the sort of face of the LGBTQ community is tends to be cisgendered and white mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, I mean, I'm a white person, so I feel a little bit hypocritical saying that, but it's also, you know, intersectionality is extremely important as we move forward as, you know, advocates of LGBTQ rights. And um, yeah, I think having the face of that become more diverse is something that I'm starting to see, and that is really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, I, but I also think there's a certain logic to that, to making it profitable in some ways. And you know, when you see, uh, oh. <laughs> when you see like um, like Bank of America and stuff at Pride, I know there's a lot of like sort of uh, like backlash against that because you know they they're doing it for money. No like to be supportive necessarily <laughs> and it might still be more difficult for a queer couple to say get a loan <laughs> even if they show up so I think it's important to hold those companies accountable like if Coca-Cola shows queer people in one of their advertisements cool but like also what are the people who run that company doing for us I think that's yeah um, but also like it, it does make sense we are fighting for our rights in a lot of different ways and you know, I, I think conceding some things, conceding a lack of diversity, for example, in the way it's presented might be, in the long run, a smart thing to do. I don't know. I, I, I am conflicted about it. <laughs> no, I totally get that. Like, on one hand, it's good that all these companies are, like, having queer couples in, like, their advertisements and stuff because it's, it's like... It's normalizing it. You know, you're making exactly. yeah, it a like, bit more normal. Yeah, you're normalizing it. But on the other hand, they can they do that a lot for like brownie points. Mm -hmm. They're like, "Oh, we're cool. You should buy our products because yeah. uh, <laughs> the light keeps going on." <laughs> um, but yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of accountability. Mm -hmm. If if you're gonna show up, you gotta. It can't just be for brownie points. It has to be like making an actual difference in the community and hopefully donating to organizations that like help especially with the queer homeless population. That's a massive issue in our, in our country. Um, and our dear Sarah is uh, working to uh, improve uh, LGBTQ refugees, which is another extremely marginalized group. And uh, 
So yeah, what are they doing for those people? What are these big companies who are showing up pride doing for everyone? Yeah. I mean, they have the money to like support us. Yeah. So. You'd hope they'd show up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, what, so, what do you think about uh, representation of the media for LGBT people? I, th I think RuPaul's Drag Race is really cool. <laughs> um, and has done wonders for for that sort of image. I think that that's I, I think is the thing that I that's most like recently and obviously become huge. You know, it's it's a sensation. Everybody in every different demographic is watching this show, and it has so much artistic, um, so much artistic like integrity, like. Uh, a, a podcast that I was listening to recently described it as like these people in this competition are like doing every single section of the credits in um, at the end of a movie. They're doing hair, they're doing makeup, they're doing costume, they're doing the performance part of it. So that is cool. Um, and then again, there's also like the, this whole question of of like, is this really representative of what dra the drag communities of like San Francisco has a very like a much more androgynous sort of drag culture behind it? But you know, I, I think having this one version of drag be embraced by lots of different people is very cool. Um, I think. Uh, there, were, there was just that movie. I actually didn't see it, but I the, the movie Love Simon came out recently. Very, very cool. Having a sort of classic teen comedy be about queer characters is was really cool to see that. Um, even if I didn't see it, <laughs> just yeah, cut that, cut that. <laughs> um, but um, I, I, I think. Part of it is uh, part, part of why we are seeing more of these things, like on TV, for example, you see more like representation of LGBTQ characters on different streaming shows, like because so many shows are getting made by Netflix and Amazon, so they can devote some of their like funding to shows that like support diversity and then people really come out for those and then you know networks can really see that this makes a difference for people. So I think streaming, <laughs> this culture of streaming media for all its faults can also like, it, you know, it can be prohibitively expensive and stuff, but like it also allows lots of different stuff to be made and then people can, you know, vote what is important to them. Yeah. So what do you think is the best part and the worst part about the LGBT community? Oh boy. I think it, uh, well, I, I've already talked about some of the follies, and I'll sort of turn back to what I said before about like the uh, it being sort of packaged in this way, and that's that's fairly new, I think, I, I, and I don't think it's like I said, it's something I, I sort of struggle with because on one hand, it is by definition sort of ex excluding people, but at the same time, it's making it more marketable to people who otherwise wouldn't care. And so that's maybe the worst. Um, that's like the worst of it. But that's such like a quibble. Like that's such a small thing to me compared to all of the amazing people in the LGBTQ community. I feel very like I feel very um, inspired by queer performers and musicians and uh, like bringing all this unique perspective to different art forms and um, activists. 
like speaking truth to power. I think by and large, it is a beautiful and wonderful community of just people, just people being themselves and being proud of it. And that's what we sort of like put first is pride in who you are and what you do. And that's like when when we went to Conejo Valley Pride uh, for, as one of like the first things we did as Spectrum, there was so much just love and joy everywhere you look. There's an acceptance for whoever you are. There. Yeah, wasn't it great? There was just like a feeling, an overwhelming wave of just like we are here to like support each other and be there for each other. And no matter what people out there are saying, we know that we are right in being ourselves. It's hard to find like the worst in a community that was built on love and support. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. 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 It's just about who you are and you mm -hmm. can't really hate on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so who are some of your LGBT plus role models? I, Oh, man, I'm blanking real hard. <laughs> um, why, there's one non-binary actor who just went on to... They were the first non-binary actor I'd ever seen, like, interviewed on Late Night. Um, they were on Billions. Man, this is... I'm going to be... No, it's not Ezra Miller. I love Ezra Miller, though. Ezra Miller is one of my first, like, non-binary, like... I really like their stuff when, like... Um, I never saw the something about Kevin, but uh, I really loved the book of... Uh, I, I grew up reading Brooks Being a Wallflower and loved that character so much, whose name also escapes me. I'm really bad at names. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I saw Ezra Miller interview for something... Maybe it was Perks. Maybe it was a different thing, but talking about non-binary identity, and that was, like, one of the first interviews I saw. Like, I think that was... When I was learning about what being non-binary was, that was one of the first interviews. That it's like, I think may maybe they use the term genderqueer. I don't know. That that's the word I use to describe myself. When people are like, "What are, what are you talking about?" <laughs> um, but uh, in my mind, non-binary and genderqueer kind of mean the same thing, um, as far as like self-defining. Um, but yeah, there's. Um, there's a, a a drag performer from San Francisco. Man, I can't name drop anybody right now. I'm like, yeah, I'm really bad with names. Um, yeah, maybe we can just cut this whole part out because <laughs> I'm like super embarrassed. Next time I'll make a list. We'll, we'll have to well, do this we, part we over. Are putting you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think we should be improving? community i think for one we need to like have it come out of the cities i think there's a lot of concentration in los angeles for example our sort of nearest big city to us in simi valley and um and new york and san francisco and there are these big like you know sort of places there was an idea for a long time if if you want to be around other queer people you have to move and that is prohibitively expensive especially in this day and age and uh, as you know we become a more connected people because of the internet and all of the you know ways that it connects us together we are able to see that there are queer people everywhere we are not confined to a location and uh, 
therefore, I think it's the responsibility of our community to to bring things like Spectrum out into, you know, the suburbs and all, out, outward, you know, to uh, more rural communities to make it possible for everybody to, you know, you don't have, so that you don't have to travel to a, a really big city to go to a pride festival or to just be around other people who support you and you can connect to, yeah. While I was in Portland, I was so surprised of how many, like, pride flags were just flying everywhere. Yeah. It made me really happy, but also, like, really sad that doesn't happen here. Yeah, for sure. Portland is wonderful. I lived in Tiger, Oregon, which is, like, right outside of Portland when I was a little kid, and... um I went to this beautiful old church there. My mom used to take us to church there, and uh, it was an Episcopal church, and I'm pretty sure they had one of the first sort of, like, movements toward LGBT, like, uh, you know, being a church that supports that and doesn't, you know, dehumanize gay people. (laughs) And awesome. Yeah, I think they had, like, one of the first uh, lesbian priests not probably a priestess that's like a D&D thing (laughs) um but yeah yeah she would I think I think that's true man I gotta do more my fact checking before I get interviewed next time well I mean we didn't tell you what we were interviewing you no no that's true that's true um but yeah that so but yeah so Portland was sort of my like home city I moved here when I was in uh like second grade so I've but I, I still have a lot of love for Portland, and that was like the the city feeling that I had growing up. And yeah, there was always a rainbow flag, yeah. like that is one of the hubs for that. And yeah, did you know what the rainbow flag was about when you were younger? Did your, were your parents like super open with you? Yeah, my parents uh, were like. I don't know how, I don't remember when they were like, there are gay people, but (laughs) I've always kind of known about them. And I've like, I think my mom probably, I was probably very young when my mom explained to me that men and men and women and women can love each other just like men and women. And so, yeah, my parents were very good about teaching me that stuff. And, you know, the, the gender identity type stuff wasn't, really on anybody's radar until much more recently. So I can't really fault them for not, like, explaining all the different trans identities to me when I was little. But I definitely knew about, like, you know, fruit, like, not free love, that's not what I was meant to say. But, like, the fact that queer people exist. Like, that has always been very part of my knowledge of people. Also, I don't mean to interrupt, but I do have to leave. Oh, okay. Let's, Let's interrupt. Um... Okay. We can have one more question, though. Yeah. Um, if you were a dessert, what would you be? I would be... Um, I would be... I would be a lemon meringue pie because I'm kind of like a meringue and I'm kind of like a pie, but I'm not really either. I'm both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me. It was um, a lot of fun. I love you guys. I love you, too. <laughs> It was nice having you. Yeah. That was fun. Cool.